morphology. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm pretty happy about this, not just because, you know, it's going further with my education, but what God did before. Before uh, moving to Chicago, I was living in Seattle, and over there I got an amazing opportunity with scholarship as well. And But I, I failed in some tests, and uh, after that, I got so upset, you know, like, no, not believing that this could happen with me, but God spoke to my heart, you know, to believe in second chances and then this opportunity to move to Chicago. And I came to Metro Praise and I found this blessing family for my life. And I'm really happy. And I would like to share the verse that God really uh, kept it during this time that I was going with my application. And since, you know, the first time we decided to apply, and now that I'm like after one month already studying and going further with my education. So the verse is the same that uh, for the, the series that Pastor Joe preached, The Heart of God. Uh, it's Ephesians 3.20. Um, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we, we may ask or imagine according to his power that is working within us. And um, I always like to say that what I've been doing in my life right now is living Ephesians 3.20. That what I'm living right now in my life, it's more than I could ask, more than I could imagine before. So I'm really happy and I would like to pray for all of you. Uh, Father, thank you so much for everything that you do in our lives. Um, you do so much more. You fulfill our hearts in every need more than we can ask, more than we can imagine. I ask that you can bless everyone here in this room today, that in the service we can be filled by your Holy Spirit, by your presence, God. Bless the service, bless the worship, that we can open our hearts to hear your word today, hear what you have for us. And thank you for, thank you for everything that you do. More and more, you can we can have your blessings in our life, in our family, in our work, and we can have this joy that overflows that comes from you and we can see all the fruits of prayers in our life every day in Jesus name amen 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 come on give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning I mean this first song is called we cry out and just a little backstory about this song this song has uh, it's maybe about 10 years old maybe um, but we started singing this song back when we were here in 2008 2009 and I remember singing this song and just with a heart of praise and really going after God and the heart behind this song when we sing this song and we're just getting everybody prepared and ready just to go in right in is really crying out to God, to God to do something, God to change our city, God to really just come and empower us. So as we prepare to sing this song, let's not just sing it because it's a fast song, look, oh, let's sing it. But let's really put our hearts out there. Come on, let's really dream big. Let's really pray. I believe that we can be in an attitude of worship and we don't have to work ourselves in there. But right now with all eyes closed, as we prepare right now, God, we come before you. You're a mighty God. And God, as we prepare to sing these songs, these songs to you, O King, you're seated in heaven. Lord, we ask that you would move mightily through your church, Metro Praise International. But God, there's to be such a move of your spirit in this place for every person, God. You meet us where we're at. 
So God, we ask this morning that you would meet us here. Come on, stretch out your hands this morning to the heavens. And say, meet me here, Lord. Hallelujah. I believe great things for this city. Come on, just begin to cry out those things. As we prepare our hearts. And I believe it for my family. My family will be saved. Come on. God, I believe my co-workers will be saved. God, I believe you're doing mighty things through me, through this church.
voice, I believe. I believe in God, our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. Yes. I believe in the virgin birth I believe in the saints communion And in your holy church I believe in the resurrection When Jesus comes again For I believe in the name of Jesus I believe in God our Father I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again. For I believe in the Come on, just the voices. I believe. I believe in God our Father. I believe. Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one, I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise, rise come on if you believe in it, the shout of praise to our God, we believe in the Lord, coming back, coming back coming back Lord you're coming back for your church you're coming back for me you never left me Lord you've given me your spirit oh church can you sense the spirit in his place oh lift your hands he's given you the spirit he's never left your side oh he They sing a song to
So your church will sing a song to you For from you are all things, 
children as they go back to school many of them have already started we also would like to pray for the teachers you know what if you could keep this to the side brother Ulysses keep it you could bring it to this side I want all the children to line up across the stage please Hannah come all the way to the end over here and face the church parents these are our beautiful children Amen. Praise the Lord. We want to lift them up. Teenagers, if you are out there and you're in high school, I want you to come up, up here as well. Teenagers, college students, come on up. Anybody's who's in, anybody who is in school, our Bible college students. So we have, yeah. You could come all the way back to the stage. Bethany, Johnny, Josie, all the way back to the stage. Our high school stu students, elementary, college, Bible college, all of them up here. Okay, little children, step forward a little bit so that the older ones could come behind you. So teenagers, if you could just have them in front of you. Amanda, you could come on over. 
We just want to take our time and bless them. Amen. No. Amen. We want to take a nice picture. How many parents are excited that your children went back to school? Woo! We want to bless them in the Lord. We're going to take a picture and we also we want to pray for them. So if you could stretch forth your hand over all of them this morning, we want to come into agreement that the peace of God will be with them and the Holy Spirit will be in every room, every test that they're taking, and that he would give them a sound mind. God, we lift up every student this morning. God, we know that you are their God, and you are their strength. So from kindergarten, from preschool, kindergarten, all the way up to college, God, I ask that your mighty hand would be upon them. I pray that you would cover them with the blood of Jesus from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. I pray for the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to be upon them, that they would be led in the Spirit of God, that they would excel in every area, Lord. I pray for a sound mind. I pray for a clarity, God. I pray that they would stand up for righteousness. When the world tells them everything is against God, that they would stand up for your truth, for your morals, for your word, that they would declare that God is my God and there is only one. I pray that they would just be led by you, Lord Jesus, that the parents would have strength to help them with their homework. I pray that you would lead them with their studies, that you would direct their future steps, and I pray that no matter what, wherever they go, whatever they do, that they would be a witness for you, God, that they would preach the gospel from our kindergartners, our third graders, our freshmen, that they would be preachers of the gospel in their rooms, in their lunchrooms, on their campuses, every college campus, oh God. I pray that our schools all across Chicago would be infiltrated with believers that are standing up, oh God, and proclaiming your gospel message, the good news about Jesus. Send revival to every school represented in this place, oh God. Every high school, every elementary school, every private school, every college campus in the city, we give it to you. We plead the blood of Jesus. We pray that you protect their bodies from violence in the name of Jesus. And I just pray, God, that you would be exalted in Chicago through our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Come on. Clap it up for all of our students. As we dismiss all of the students, we declare to you, go and preach the gospel, and you better get A's. Everybody gets A's this year. Come on. Woo! Let's give them another round of applause as they make their way to their seats and go back to their King's Kids class. Thank you to all the little children. Praise the Lord. At this time, we also want to honor and pray for our teachers. So if you teach in any setting, in a public school, a private school, if you're a principal, if you could please stand up to your feet. We want to honor you today, whether you're a teacher's assistant, a teacher's, you could come on up. Homeschool mothers as well, or homeschool fathers that do the teaching. College professors, Pastor Jared, come on up. Pastor Jared is transitioning to be a college professor uh, this semester at SUM. What an honor that all that God has poured into him, he's going to pour out to the next generation of ministers. If we have any homeschool mothers in the back, I know Lauren is back there. If we could grab Lauren, Pastor Lauren. Amen. I would like somebody to pray for our teachers. Any leaders out there? You know what, Miss Amy, can you come and pray for our teachers? I love your heart. Miss Amy dedicates so much of her time to our children's ministry. She has such an awesome heart for the children and as well as the parents. 
And I know that she's going to pray a powerful, powerful word over every teacher, principal, teacher's aide, homeschool mom. Just bless them today. Amen. Father God, we come to you today. We are so grateful for the for these teachers, these leaders, these parents that pour their heart out into these future generations, Father. But not just to educate them, but with your word, Father God. With just the passion to, to carry on with the Holy Spirit, Father. I pray that you protect them, that you bless them, Father. That you bless everything that they do. That nothing is, is easy, but, but they go to you for that strength father i pray that you continue to work in them to encourage them in those times that it just seems so difficult father that it's tedious that it's tiring but they have that heart father for you father that you protect them that you just keep encouraging them and that they have carry on that compassion that love that just that that love to to teach and show what the love of Christ is and that wherever they go that people may see that that they may carry that light father and that they encourage these future generations of of caring of teaching of just carrying on forward with with you and it's all about you thank you father and I pray that for more parents more teachers more leaders like this in every school and every house Father, just bless them, and we are so grateful for them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Clap it up. We're going to pass out some beautiful gifts to honor them. We pray that you will be led by the Spirit of God and have all of the fruit of the Spirit made available to you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. I know I need it. I need it, Jesus. All of it. Praise the Lord. If you guys could take out your Bibles. Yes, come on, clap it up as they make their way back to their seat. Amen. I want to preach the gospel to you this morning. For those that may not know who I am, my name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here, and I want to preach the gospel to you. Look to your neighbor and say, she's got good news. We're going to turn to this Bible verse as they put it up to the screen. John 5, 24, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, or you can follow along on the screen. The reason why we want to preach the gospel every week in our services is because we want those that are not right with God to have the opportunity to get right with God. And in John 5, 24, it says, this is Jesus speaking. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, speaking about the Father, has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. And I want to get your attention this morning. If you're not right with God, if you haven't believed his word, if you've heard his word, you have not applied his word, you're not living according to the standard that God wants for you, you have not been born again. The Bible says very simply right here that you are still in death. But when you hear his word and apply it to your life and you believe the one who sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins, to take the place, to do what you could never do, you could never save yourself. I want you to say that in your mind. I can't save myself. That Jesus came so you could cross over from death to life. And that is referring to spiritual death and eventually physical death. The Bible says that the devil comes to steal, kill, and to destroy you. And he wants to do it on earth here in your body and eventually for all of eternity in hell. But God, Jesus came and he shed his blood for us so that we could have the opportunity to either accept him or reject him. 
But if we reject him, the Bible says very clearly that we're going to die and perish in our sins. But if we accept him, we accept this free gift of eternal life, we believe his words that we're going to cross over from death to life. Come on, let me get a hallelujah. We have crossed over from death to life when we give our life to Jesus. And with all eyes closed all across this room, I want you to take inventory of your life this morning. Don't let this moment pass you by. Oh, there's so many people right now who have entered into eternity of torment, who wished, who are praying, who are believing, who are pleading and begging just one more chance. If I only had one more opportunity when I was at that church, one more opportunity instead of cursing those who witnessed to me, if I only had one more opportunity, I would say yes to Jesus. Don't let this opportunity pass you by because this might be your last one. The Bible says very clearly if we are not born again, we will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. If you want to get right with God, I want you to agree with me in this prayer. Dear Jesus, I ask that every single person in this room who is not saved, that today would be the day of their salvation, that they would believe your word, that they would accept you and accept the blood of Jesus that cleanses them from all sin and unrighteousness. I pray, oh God, that you would pound on the door of their heart, that they would not let today go by until they are right with you. In Jesus' name I pray and everybody said amen and amen you're going to have an opportunity during the fellowship time to receive prayer our prayer workers are going to be here for you pastor Berto and pastor griselda go to them say i gotta get right with god i want to get plugged into the church i want to be discipled if you could stand up with your feet with me this morning please Whoo! we serve an awesome awesome god his words are true they are life we're going to confess this confession of faith. We do this because this is our Christian worldview. This is how we see the world around us as believers. Those who uphold the, the, the scripture, the Bible, as absolute truth. We're going to confess it on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Come on. Spend some time fellowshipping. Give somebody a hug and come get prayer if you need it. begin believing Redemption's bid is unrelenting Your love goes on Your love goes on When the world keeps waiting Carry us, carry us With your end 
Amen. Who's excited to be at church this morning? Come on, make some noise. Welcome to Metro Praise International. On behalf of all the leaders, we want to thank you for joining us as we worship the Lord and get into his word today. Our services here are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And Fridays we have Elevate at 7 p.m., ages 11 to 18 years old. They are rocking it out for Jesus. Our vision here is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. And our discipleship strategy is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. The way we want to connect you to Jesus and to the church is through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. On the back of your handouts, if you wave it in the air like you care, you're going to find your uh, life group schedule, a life group schedule that we have for this quarter. We're coming to the end of this quarter. Find a place to belong. We have so many different types of life groups to meet the needs of you and your family. And we want to give you a snapshot of what's happening this week, kicking it off today. Somebody say it's exciting. All right, so Sunday our worship team uh, is meeting today, 201 and up. Elders and deacons meeting here at the church at 4 p.m. Wednesdays we have our King's Kids Life Group, infant to 11 years old, meeting here at the church at 6.30. That's for our boys club and girls club. If you want your children to be here if they're in that age group. That's their time to get discipled, to learn about Jesus. It's an awesome time for them. And then every Friday we have two adult Bible studies. One is at the Govea's house, the other one is at the Walker's house. 18 years and up are invited 7 p.m. every Friday. You want to be there if you are an adult. That is where the party is happening. Friendships are being made. You're getting closer to the Lord, studying the Word. It's an awesome time of fellowship. And Saturday we have our evangelism team that meets here at the church at 5. All ages are welcome. It's not a closed group. We want to encourage everybody to go street preaching. It is awesome. It will change your life. Come on. Then we want to mentor you. We have leaders ready to take you through our 101 book called Welcome to Your New Life. We want to invest our time into you, pour into you, and help you through this journey of you following after the Lord. When you graduate the 101, then you'll get into our 201 class called Disciples That Make Disciples, where you will continue on that discipleship journey and be trained to be a leader in the church. Then we want to send you to keep on winning souls because our goal here at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If you believe we can do that, say amen. If you want to be a part of that and do it, say amen, amen. Woo, because I know I'm going to be there. We've been saying it since we started this church. And look how we've grown. We started in our apartment, two-bedroom apartment on Addison and Pulaski. And look, look what the Lord has done. He's faithful. When you are faithful, fruitfulness will come into your life. Amen. We're going to transition now into our tithe and offering lesson, going into the Disciples Giving book. We are still on section three, which is all about stewardship. Today is lesson 10. Stewards are multipliers. Look to your neighbor and say, be a multiplier. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 16 and 17, we're going to learn further about what that means. Stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. And we've learned that God wants us to manage everything that he's given to us well. Let's read in Matthew 25, 16 and 17. If you've turned there with your Bible or you could follow along on the screen. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. Here are the three main points from those two verses. Number one, put his money to work. Say work it. Jesus wasn't a socialist that taught against private ownership or personal success. Rather, he promoted the principles of capitalism 
by teaching parables that exemplified individual prosperity and personal gain. He wants you to succeed. His application was simple. If people use their talents and work hard for personal gain, how much should his disciples work hard and use their talents for kingdom success? We, he wants us to be a success so that his kingdom can be successful. Number two, gained two more. Honestly, evaluate your life and ask yourself, have I used my talents and abilities to gain success to help support the kingdom of God? Your answer will determine your heavenly rewards. Remember, you are not saved by works, but rather you are saved to do good works. And both salvation and good works are accomplished by faith. When we get saved by grace, we live a life of faith. And through that faith, we should desire to do good works that honor the Lord and build his kingdom. Because the Bible clearly says without works, your faith is dead. It's useless. So let's apply faith into our life and every area of our life so that we could do good works so that God's kingdom could be established on the earth. And number three, are you a multiplier? Have you been successful at working hard on your job and using your talents to gain income? Have you been faithful then to give your best back to God? God has called you to be blessed, to be a blessing. We say that a lot around here. Here's a summary of this whole lesson. Be a multiplier of God's gifts and talents in your life. See, the other part of this passage of scripture doesn't tell you about the one that buried their gift and didn't earn anything in return. The one who had five bags got five back. The one who had two bags got two back. The one who had one bag went and buried it in the ground. Let's not bury our gifts and talents. Let's use them for God so that he can multiply us. Amen? Here's the application. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income and offerings, anything you give after the tithe. Number two, ask God to empower you to multiply and succeed at all that you do. And number three, live by the principle, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Let's say that together on the count of three. One, two, three. I'm blessed to be a blessing. Let's confess this over our life together again on the count of three. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards. And generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. If you want that to be you, please stand up to your feet with me this morning as we prepare to give God our tithes and offerings, our very best back to the Lord, so that we can multiply and See his kingdom come to the earth. Again, MPI believes that a tithe is a 10% is 10% of your total income, and an offering is anything above that which we designate towards building and or missions. And we want you to be very specific on the envelope where you want each exact amount to go, whether it's tithe, missions, or building. We're currently in a building fund, raising the monies as you saw last week for the lit up. Metro Praise International Church signed to go across the building. Thank you so much for partnering with us. God is doing it. We're, we're rallying together, and we're going to see that hung up here very soon. We just want to thank you so much for your generosity. We couldn't do it without you. God is called a faithful people. You guys are generous, and we love you so much. We also have two other convenient ways for you to give or purchase items in the church. One is online at our easy-to-use website, and the other is in the back with either myself or Pastor Griselda. If you have any questions about that, please see us after service. Let's recite this verse together. Luke 6, 38. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. 
For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your abundant provision in our life, God. And we decide today that we're going to use our gifts, our talents, God, so that we can gain more, so that we can be blessed to be a blessing, so that we can multiply, so that we can be effective doing your kingdom work, your kingdom business. I pray that you bless the gift and the giver today. I pray that you bring increases and raises and promotions over your people. Meet our needs, O oh God, according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And let your kingdom come to this earth. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Please come forward this morning as you give to the Lord, and thank you for your generosity. the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? Can I get a whoop whoop? Praise God. Open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6. How many are enjoying some of this mild weather? Anybody enjoying it? How many wish it would get colder? How many wish it would get warmer? Oh, you can't make everybody happy. Can't make everybody happy. For me, it's just right. It's just right. I could do it just like that. Maybe just a little bit warmer so I could go swimming outside, but I just like it mid, mid-70s, mid you know, in the highs, lower at night. You know, open up your windows, enjoy the night. Don't have to have the air conditioning. Now, how many just like that? Open up your windows at night. You don't live in a scary neighborhood, do you? Do you have to worry about somebody coming in? Who is that? It's me, Cousin Flacco. Let me in. No, it could be, it's me, Cousin Bob, let me in. No, but it, I used to literally live, we lived on Potomac and Lawndale, Potomac and Lawndale, not really known for neighborhood hospitality. It was a little bit of a rough neighborhood. And literally my window to the kitchen was right here and the sidewalk was right here. So people know about these kind of apartments, you know what I'm talking about. And literally I could hear the drug deal going on. I could hear the drug deal right in front of me. I'm like washing my dishes at night, literally heard the drug deal. And what did this gringo do? Called the police. Yes, I did. I called the police. Y'all laughing. I called the police, but I did. And then I ended up buying a gun. I ended up buying my first shotgun. How many can say hallelujah for that? Home protection. But I, li- <laughs> I literally had that going on. So I was a little nervous about opening my windows, you know. So, but now, you know, I live, I, I have a house. I can open up my windows. And then but when we were on Addison, we were on the third floor. So I could open up my windows and not be scared. Amen. How many know we need Jesus in Chicago? We need Jesus here. We need safety here. But I love that neighborhood, and I pray for that neighborhood. I would live there again. If Jesus said, go back there and live, I would say, okay. How many would live where God told you to live? Amen. I just got to keep it real, though. I'm just happy now I can open up windows and not be scared about drug deals. Okay. Let's look at the Bible, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. We are in the series This fall series, The Kingdom of God, we're learning about what God talked about through Jesus for us to know 
for this earth, this purpose, for the time that we're here. And what he told us to do was seek his kingdom. He told us to be about his kingdom business. He told us that everything we would need would be in the kingdom. And he also taught us the Lord's Prayer. How many know the Lord's Prayer? We've been reading it. It's our third week here. And I want you guys to read it as if it was for the first time and see if you get any new nuggets out of this because I've got uh, I've been getting some new nuggets and I got some goodies to share with you. So let's read Matthew chapter 6, 9 and onward. One, two, three. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And everybody said... Amen, amen. I'm so glad that you're here because today we're going to be talking about seeking the kingdom of God first. Everybody say first. Before the Bears game, before the Cubs game, before our job, before our families, we should be seeking the kingdom of God first. Now, here's what I want you to think about. I've been reading it this week, really praying through it and wanting just to learn new nuggies, man. I just want to get some good nuggies out of this. Here's the thing that stuck out to me this week. I don't know what's sticking out to you that maybe you've never seen before, but this word has been sticking out to me. Our Father, which art in what? Heaven. You know, heaven. I began to think about heaven. I don't know how you think about heaven, but I've been studying the Bible almost 20 years, and I feel like I only know like a thimble full of information about heaven. As a matter of fact, the Bible doesn't even describe heaven very much. I remember talking to a Hindu who was a follower of uh, Hare Krishna, and they're called the, uh, the Hare Krishnas, you know, and they followed Krishna. And I remember talking to him, and he said, you Christians, your Bible is so boring. Your Bible doesn't tell us anything about heaven or what God is doing. Our Vedas, our scriptures tell us about God in heaven and all the wives he has and all the drama that's going on up there. There's actually even stories that talk about what the gods do. It's very much like Greek mythology. You, you hear this in the term uh, Indo-European, Indo-European, referring to this kind of culture of India and Europe kind of melding together in their beliefs. And so there's a story about one time this man, he, he snuck into this goddess's house and they got it on and her husband, the god, came home and he said, oh, what's going on here? You messing around with my wife. You shouldn't be doing that. And, and then, you know, and then he wanted to punish him. So he cut off his head. He cut off this, this person's head for having sex with the goddess, you know. This is a true story, okay. And then, then now the guy doesn't have a head. And so the woman, she feels compassion because it was really her fault. So you know what she does? She takes the head of an elephant and puts it on his head and says, here's your head now. Now you can go along and live like this. And, and that's really the story. It's really the story of Ganesh. Everybody say Ganesh. It's a true story. Look it up. Just put it up there for me, please, Ganesh, just so you don't think I'm making it up. And they teach their children this story. And so once again, it, the, the, the idea of heaven for a Christian kind of seems boring compared to that. Uh, our God doesn't have a wife. There aren't people cheating on his wife up there. There, there, there isn't some torture going on of people and, and the beheadings, you know. And I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, our modern-day superhero movies, but anybody get into Thor? Anybody sees Thor? You know, he's supposed to be like a god. And really, you know, in, in his world, it's just all technology. But when he comes with that technology to our earth, what we don't understand seems like godlike, seems like magic, right? So here's the story of Ganesh. Everybody Go, Ganesh, say you're wrong in Jesus' name. 
I just had to say that because we're saying the name. There we go. So if you want to know the story of why this man has an elephant's head, you can study the story of Ganesh. That, that's, that's their story. And so thank you, sir. We can remove that. Let's put back up Jesus. We don't want an idol up here. Amen. We're not here. We're not idolaters. We do not worship that God. But here, here's the thing. I mean, you look at Thor, and there's all these things going on up there. You know, there's, there's all this technology. There's all this power. They can go from one world to another. You know, they can travel. Once again, well, what is our heaven like? What do we hear about? There's mansions. That's it. Uh, maybe there's streets of gold. Uh, okay, what else? Mansion, streets of gold. What else? What else? Come on, come on. I mean, this is heaven. I mean, this is supposed to be the greatest place we could ever imagine. Tell us about it, Jesus. There's mansions up there. My father's up there. That's literally all we get from Jesus. That's that's it. Try it sometime. Look through the teachings of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go through the entire teachings of Jesus and write down every verse where Jesus describes heaven, where he tells you about heaven. Literally, the only thing Jesus ever tells us about heaven is that this is the place where his father is and that there are mansions there. Because we got to live somewhere, I guess, when we get up there, right? So that's, that's it. The next thing that we see is Jesus comes to John in the book of Revelation. And now this is where we get the majority of the stuff that we now know about heaven. Streets of gold, angels flying around the throne. Uh, there's a throne up there. Uh, there. There are creatures that are up there, not just things that we've seen on earth. God has created these creatures. Some of them have eyes all over their self and their wings. They have eyes. This is where we see the picture of heaven. But but really, if I now was to put Jesus' teachings with Revelation's teachings, what do I really have? Okay, I got the Father. I've got some mansions, scary creatures that I know nothing about flying around, a throne, and a few other things. You know, maybe, like I said, there's like the streets of gold, whatever. But really, the streets of gold is what comes down to the new earth. A lot of times we get confused of what happens when heaven comes to earth, that kingdom coming. Remember the aspect of the kingdom there, the kingdom here, and the kingdom coming. So a lot of times when we think of the streets of gold and the river of life, that's actually what comes here. So put it all together. You could probably fill up one paragraph with what we have. There's a place where the Father is. There are some mansions. There's a throne. There's some beautiful gems, some jewels, some things happening up around there. And there is crazy creatures with wings and eyes all over their wings. Put the, uh, look at this up, angelic creatures with eyes on their wings. Let's see if we can get a picture of that. And we have the little children here. Let's see if you want that picture in your bedroom, okay? Because the Bible mentions these creatures, the, the angelic creature with eyes all over its wings. Now, why am I saying all of this? Because if you look at the Bible, heaven is not about stuff. It's not about stuff. It's not about things. It's not more of this. It's not more items. It's about the Father. You see, and so if you think about hell is where the Father is not and heaven is where the Father is, that tells you all you need to know. Because if there is a God, if there is a creator, if there is the one who has made everything we know, we don't need anything else in heaven to make it awesome. He makes it awesome. Let that sink in right now. You don't need to go fishing in heaven for heaven to be fun. You have the creator of all the oceans of the universe, the world, and all the all creation of all the universe. You have him there. Why do I need to go fishing? Why do I need to have money? Why do I need to have these kinds of things? All I need 
is him. See, this is the thing that I believe Jesus is wanting to teach us in the revelations of the scripture, is that all we need is the Father. But yet we see there is a problem. The Father is where I am not. Because my Father is in heaven, and I am on earth. See, that's a separation. And you go back to that picture uh, drawn in the Sistine chapels of the hand of God reaching towards man. And that separation looks like they could just touch, right? It is, I mean, it's just such a close little thing. It's like, boop. It's like you just want to push one of them and just touch. Just, come on, just reach out. You got it. You're right there. You're right there. Right there. Touch. But is that really all that just separates us from God? Is that really all that just separates us from heaven? It's just that little bit. No, it's all the space in the world. It's, it's, it's more space than we could ever know in the known universe. Heaven is not here. And heaven is nothing like this place here. When we see one of the prophets in the Old Testament, he just writes two verses. I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the angels flew around his throne. They were singing holy, holy. You know, when you look at just that right there, what you see is that heaven is so different than earth. See, in heaven, it's all about God. See, earth, we don't see God, so we make it about something else that's created. Whether it's each other, whether it's our jobs, whether it's creatures, creations, it doesn't matter. It's all things created. But in heaven, it's all about the creator. Have you found that picture of the angelic beings? Uh, Jose, help him, please. Put it in there. Let's see if we can get, say the, put it in there. Angel with eyes all over its wings. Yeah, this is some scary stuff here. The wheel within the wheel, the beasts up in heaven. But that's okay. That's another. I want, I want to show you that picture, though. I'm just going to look up. Look at your neighbor and say, I think you're really cool. Talk about the bears or something you learned in church. I'm going to find it right here. Angel covered with eyes. Ezekiel 10, 12. Yeah, Ezekiel 10, 12. They don't have a picture of it, which I can't find online. Okay, so I can't. Can you find it? I can find the scripture. There we go. So here, listen to the description. Ezekiel. Here it is. Ezekiel 10, 12. Listen to what it says. Their entire bodies, including their backs, their hands, and their wings, were completely full of eyes, and there were four wheels. So this is supposed to be a body full of eyes. This is the best description that we have right here. It says this. It says they moved together. The cherubim, it says they went in every direction, their head faced. There was four of them together. So four of them. That's where I think we had the wheel within the wheel thing. Ezekiel 10, 11 through 12 is a crazy description of creatures making together what looks like a flying saucer. If you ask the people of the History Channel about ancient aliens, they think that's a flying saucer. But anyways, that's all we get. Why is that? Why is that all we get of heaven is a couple descriptions of crazy creatures with eyes all over their bodies, flying in different directions, a throne, all of that. Why? Because we're supposed to be focused on the creator being there. Now let me ask you this. Could you ever get to heaven if you tried? Could you ever take a spaceship there? Could you ever travel there? Could you ever, how about this, could you not only just travel there, could you communicate with somebody there? 
I'm not talking about a seance. I'm not, uh, we're still on this? Okay. So this is, the, but this is the best of what we got. You are determined, Elliot. Let's give it up for Elliot in the back. He is going to find an angelic creature with the thing. Okay, so there it's showing you. So this is this best rendition here. It's got a face like a man, winged creature, and it has eyes all over them because that is all that the prophet was given to describe it as. And we may get to heaven and see a creature that looks absolutely nothing like this. And they'll be like, why did you all do me wrong like that? Don't you know who I am? Look at me. You know, <laughs> look at me. I'm cool. Take a selfie of me. Okay, anyways. Okay. But I mean, I mean, serious. I mean, you're talking the Hindu religion, thousands of gods, Greeks, thousands of gods, the, the pagans of the time when Israel is around and the Old Testament's being written. I mean, thousands of gods. I mean, the stories would be endless and they go on and on. But all we have is just these creatures, a father and in heaven, this place and it's holy and it's not like where we live. Because there it's all about the creator. Where we're at here, it's all about the creation. Now let me ask you this. Can you get to heaven? Can you get there? No. Can you, can you contact somebody there? No. But look at what the beauty of this says. It says that our Father is in heaven. And you know, we're going to hallow his name. And we're going to honor his name because he is the creator of all things. So all creation should honor him. How many believe children should honor their parents? See, so we should honor our God. Am I right? Amen? So that makes sense. But watch this. Tell me if you catch a revelation of this, because I, I did. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this is what blows my mind, is that God really wants to come from heaven to earth. He wants to communicate with us. He wants what's there to come to us. So this idea of I'm having to have make-believe stories, I don't need that because I have what is most important about heaven here. See, that's the Father, and the Father comes to me here on earth. So I don't have to think about all of these awesome things that are up there because there's not really even many to think about. All I know what makes it awesome is the Father. And so the Father says, hey, I'll come from where I am to where you are. That's awesome. Does anybody get that? Heaven has come to earth through the Father. That's why I want to be in the kingdom here. I want to be in the kingdom right now because I want the Father. Go with me quickly to John chapter 14. Somebody just say it's the introduction, but it's awesome. You see, I, 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 don't, I don't want streets of gold here. That's not most important. I mean, yeah, it would be fun to have it, but I would rather have the creator of the streets of gold here. You see, what would you rather have, the creator or his creation? And you can have the creator now. So all of these stories are but myths appealing to our own human selfishness. The men having sex with gods, the, men's have, the men having these things. And if we think we're so much better than those of the past who worship pagan gods, look at how we worship our movie stars, our actors, our sports stars. Ask somebody right now to tell you the starting lineup of the Chicago Bears and then ask them then to name the 12 apostles. We'll show you who we really care about. Hello? Ask somebody to quote a scripture to you and then see how many they can name and then ask them to quote to you their favorite Beyonce song, their fa favorite Lady Gaga song. They'll be like singing it. Oh, I don't even know one of her songs. Like, uh-oh, uh-oh. 
Is that one of her songs? Uh, 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 that's all I know. And I don't mean to be, like, more spiritual than you because I do know other songs, you know what I'm saying? But that's all I really know. It's like, uh-oh, uh-oh. And yet some of you just can just take it. You can just, you can just keep going. But I'm like, okay, give me a scripture. Keep quoting verses out of the Bible instead of verses out of a creation's mouth. Heaven is about the Father. The Father has said to come. Now watch this. Do not be troubled. Jesus is speaking. John 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that? I'm going there to prepare a place for you? That's it. I literally just read to you the one description of Jesus that Jesus gives of heaven. And this is it. My Father's house has many rooms. This is where we get the idea of the mansions because that room means it's a big room. It has many rooms. What, what houses in our day and age have many rooms? We call them mansions. But this is where it comes from. My Father's house has many rooms. So we may be all in one big condo up there. How many would like to be my neighbor? Anybody want to be my neighbor up in heaven? But we're going to be in the big mansion of the Father. And here's the good news. There's enough room for all of us. But watch this. This is not even his point. He, does, he doesn't say, well, let me tell you what's in these rooms. I mean, they got marble slab floors. There's a jacuzzi. You and all your friends can be in there. I mean, there, there, there is a kitchen there with all the best food. No, I mean, it just says, hey, guys, don't let your hearts be troubled because I'm about ready to be crucified, raised from the dead, and leave you all for a long time, but I will be back, right? Okay, but don't be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father has many houses. He has rooms. I'm going to go there prepare for you this place. And if I go to prepare that place, I'm going to come back. Somebody say, I'll be back. He's coming back. And I'll take you there to be with me. Now watch this. Here, here's the big deal. It's not the mansions. He says, and take you to be with me. That you may also be where I am. You see, God said, uh, Jesus says it's all about being where he is. Now, he leaves, but before he leaves, he tells us something that's so special here. He's talking about the Father and all these things. But I want you to see this right here in John 14, talking about heaven coming to earth through uh, the Father. I mean, the Father coming to earth through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Look at this right here. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father. So the Holy Trinity starts to get revealed here. You see, we're thinking about going into rooms, and Jesus is like, I go into my Father. See, you're thinking about a thing, I'm thinking about a person. And he says, where I am, you will be because I am with my Father. I am in my Father. We share the same essence. I wish somebody would get this today. Then look at what he says here. He goes, anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. My Father will love them. Now watch this, verse 23 of John 14. John 14, 23. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. So you and I... We could get so caught up thinking about heaven, going to this place up there, going to this mansion here. And the Father is saying, I'm wanting to come here. I'm wanting to come here. I'm wanting to come here. I'm wanting to come right here. I'm wanting to come from heaven to earth and live inside of you. That's what he's saying. This is it. Just come on, somebody. 
We're not, we're not being bribed with heaven. We're not being bribed with playing basketball with Michael Jordan up there if he makes it in. We're not being bribed with that. We're being told, yes, there's a place for your disembodied soul. But what most importantly is up there is that my father is there. But while your soul is here, my father wants to come live in you now. My father wants to come now. The most important part of heaven is the father, and he is saying he wants to come here now. Everybody say, as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. You see, that's what I was looking at this week. So if you want to know what your pastor does, he gets deep thoughts. And those were my deep thoughts. His, wow, he's up there, but he's wanting to come here. So how is he doing that? He's doing that through the Holy Spirit. By Jesus dying on the cross, the Holy Spirit now can come into my life. And the Father and the Son can be here with me now. Heaven can be here with me now. And I love, like a couple weeks ago, we sang that song, Heaven is all up around us well how is heaven all around the believer because Jesus is all around us well how is how is the father and Jesus all around us because the Holy Spirit is all around us so heaven is where the father is Jesus is seated next to him and how does the Father and Son come to this earth. They come through the Holy Spirit into the hearts of men to make their home with us. Amen? And can I just show it to you one more time? I showed it to you the first week we did this. Ephesians, please, chapter 1. And therefore, where are we seated now? Where is our soul seated now? In heavenly places with God. And I talked about this before. Transdimensional travel. Where is heaven? Is it another dimension or is it another place I could go to? I believe it's another dimension. That's just my opinion. I don't have any proof, and certainly the Bible doesn't use that language. But I just love how it says it so simply here in Ephesians. This is Paul talking about what happens in the believer's life right now. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, there they are, Father and Son, who blessed us in the heavenly realms. Okay, where is heaven? It's where the Father and Son is, and that's where we're blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Has everybody believed you are blessed in heavenly realms with every blessing in Christ? Okay, now you just watch this. You go to Ephesians chapter 2. Go on down, Ephesians chapter 2, and look at what it says right here. It says, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in where? Heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So where is your soul seated right now? In heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. But I thought I was at 5405 West Diversity. Yes, that's where your body is. And that is where you are living with your soul. But your soul can also partake of heaven right now. Because I don't think when I say the heaven is, is out there, I don't think it's out there in a spaceship. I just think it's a different dimension. It's a different place where God is and where we are not only, but where God is and where we are not, but by Jesus, we are there now. So it's not just like it's this close. It's an impossibility to get to. But once you have Jesus in your heart, you're there now. You're touching heaven now. Your backside is touching heaven right now. Your, your, your holy solical backside is touching the spiritual seat of heaven. Now, here is your choice, my friend. 
this is your choice. I can't, I can only get happy and excited and preach to you every now and then get sassy, but I can only preach to you. That's all I can do. You have to now believe. So the choice is yours. Here is the choice, really simply said. A, do you believe this? Or B, do you not? If you do believe this Bible, which was still around before I was ever born, right, you can go to your great-grandma's house and go pick up that old Bible and go read it. You will find that same scripture there. God raised us up. This is all present language. This is not God will raise us up. It says God raised. Everybody see the ED there? That means ED is what? What tense? Past tense. Raised, past tense, us up with Christ and seated us. What, What tense is that? Past tense with him in where? Heavenly realm. So now you just simply have a choice. Do I believe that? If you believe that, now you are on the heavy revy that I was just sharing with you. How do we explain this? Well, this is how we explain it. We are solical beings. We are not just matter, space, and time. We are able to be touched by heaven, a spiritual place, even right now. And that is where the Father is. And he is bringing our souls there. Now, we're touching it. We're tasting it. We're feeling it on the inside. And that's how heaven comes to earth. That's that's what we're praying. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you can just see now. Everybody think of like a satellite. Everybody know what a satellite is? Well, you know that your phones can operate off of satellites, okay? So the satellites there, the phone is here, but the information is coming between both of them. That information is coming from the satellite to your phone. And then, and then if you were in space, uh, you know, between the direction of phones and, and that satellite, you could just wave your hand like this, you know, and, and, and the information would be passing right by your hands. And so you would say, where's the information? Well, the information is coming from here to there. It's, it's all around us. But how do I experience it? How do I participate? I have to have a device. I have to be connected. I have to have something that that satellite can read and send that information to. Are you with me? You are in heavenly places with Christ. The information of heaven, the glory of heaven, the blessings of heaven are coming down to you. And the connector is Jesus. The connector is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's doing it now, right now, right now. So bodies can be healed through the connection that you have with heaven. Deliverance can come. Depression can be broken off of you right now. And every now and then, God can just swipe away the blindness off our earthly eyes and pull back the earthly atmosphere and give us a vision of heaven. Go to Acts chapter 2. We can even see visions of heaven. We can see, the, as, as you could just see in sci-fi, you could almost just see this dimension peeling back in different places. And God says, this is heaven. It's all around you. This is my power and my glory. Just go to Ephesians, uh, uh, Acts chapter 2. Are you ready for the message? Amen. Good to see you guys here. Come on, stunting for the Bears. Amen. What's up, my little in? What's up, my little in? Woo, you a Bears fan. Come on, bear down. Look at this, Acts chapter 2. What does he say happens when the Holy Spirit comes down? I hope that you guys understand. It's, it's not so far out that you guys can't get this. I really hope you, you can understand this. Look at this. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on how many people? There's the connection to the Father and Son. Does everybody get that? Connection to the Father and Son comes through the spirit. The, The satellite could be the Father and Son. And here we are now as this phone and the information coming could be the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit regenerates a new spirit in us. Now we can receive what spiritual things the Father is giving us. Is everybody getting that? Okay, I'm just trying to make it in a way we can understand. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now watch this. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. 
Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Well, what's a vision? A vision is seeing something of the heavenly realms while your eyes are open. A dream is seeing something of the heavenly realms while your eyes are closed. So whether I'm seeing it in my mind's eye or seeing it with an earthly eye, the Bible says he'll peel back those things. What is prophesying? Prophesying is talking with the language of God. What is God talking about right now? What is he saying to this congregation? What is he saying to your life? What is he speaking to you about? How many know we can all be on Facebook and getting different information from Facebook right now? One billion people can all be on at the same time. God is bigger than Facebook. He can be on there with all of us through the Holy Spirit giving us messages, giving you a message, prophesy, prophecy for you, a prophecy for you, a prophecy for me. He could give a dream to Joselito about his soon and coming beautiful wife. Amen. Ah, ah, ah. Woo! Here she comes. Boom, he could give you a vision about that. Lord, send me a vision, just like Pastor said. Send it to me, Lord. Send it to me. 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 Send it. You know, and then God can give you a dream about something else. God is moving. God is speaking. If God is the Father and he is in heaven, could he not do these things? So you have a choice to believe or not believe. I want to say tap into heaven. Can I hear an amen? How many want the message now? Can I hear another Amen. Let's go to the message. The kingdom of God is what we're talking about during this series. We're going to talk about seeking it first. This is the definition. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is God's kingly rule through Jesus Christ over all creation and people, and I should say through the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to add that there. Now, here are the two scriptures for today's message. Watch this. This is going to be probably one of the most profound and deepest messages you have ever heard me preach, or at least in a long time. But it's not going to need many scriptures, and it's not even going to be based upon my theatrics or my ability to preach. Because if anybody in the sound of my voice hears these words and is honest, you will be rocked in ways you have never thought you possibly could. Because these are Jesus' words, and they're some of the most powerful words he ever uttered, specifically to this generation, I believe. Are you guys ready? We're going to learn about seeking God's kingdom first. And there's going to be just two ways I believe we do it. Number one, we love God first. And number two, we don't worry, but we trust him. Are you ready for this? This is huge. This is it. This is profound. This is deep. But like I said, it's not because I'm going to be so theatrical and I'm going to, like, make you think of things you never know. I'm just going to read his words, and they're going to cut right to the core of who you are. Can I start off with uh, Luke 14, 25? Can I hear an amen? Let's go there. Let's talk about loving God first. Love God first. Now that comes so easy to us to say, like, oh, that's so easy. God comes first. I get it. Yeah, but what does that mean? There's a sacrifice in that. There's a commitment to that. There is a laying down of things to do that. This may be the very reason why some here do not go to heaven. I'm being honest. This may be the very reason why some here go to hell. This is it. You want to know what separates heaven from hell? The kingdom of God from the kingdom of darkness? Listen to Jesus' words. Jesus is traveling. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, okay? Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned to them and he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Once again, Jesus said, if anyone comes to me, does not hate his mother, father, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. 
Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now he gives an example of what he just said here. He talks about people building a tower and a king going to war to give you the example. Here's the example of the tower. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower like a skyscraper. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Does everybody see that example? You lay down a foundation. You say, hey, we're building the next Trump Tower. It's, got, it's the Wyrostic Tower. It's the Lopez Tower. That would be an awesome tower, Lopez. Amen. The Lopez Tower. So we're building the Lopez Tower, man. And so right here, we built the foundation. It only gets up to the first floor, second floor. Everybody's upset. Everybody's mocking you now. Everybody's like, what happened? It was supposed to go 100 floors. Are you with me? Where's the Verostic Tower? You know, so it only gets five floors, whatever. He says, this is an example of how I want you to see that if you don't finish what you start. By putting me first. Look at the next example. Or suppose, verse 31, a king is about ready to go to war. Now, this one has a little bit more serious ramifications, okay? Think about this. A king's about ready to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000 men? If he is not able, he will send a delegation with the other while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not, watch this, in the same way, here Jesus makes it clear, these two examples. Everybody saying the same way. Thank you. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything. Does that include my family? Yes. He just told you to hate them. I'll explain to you what that means, but this is clear. Does that include your job? Does that include my job? Does that include this church? Everything. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. Now, if that doesn't blow your mind, you're not taking this passage serious. Because that should blow everybody's mind right now. That should be so profound. That makes you think to yourself, can I do this? Can I do this? Because Jesus asked you to do it. Now let's deal with this understanding of hate right there. Jesus is recorded in another passage, Matthew 10, 37. Turn there with me, and he explains what he means by hate. So quickly go to Matthew 10, 37 before we start having kids go home to their parents. I hate you, Mom. I hate you, Dad. That's what Jesus told me to tell you. What did you learn today in church, son? I'm supposed to hate you, Dad. That's what I learned. I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. Jesus, aren't you so pleased? I'm going to explain to you what that means. Jesus obviously is having the same kind of conversation, but look at how he says it here. Because the word hate may mean a little bit something different than what we think. So I want to explain that to you and then put back the weight of that scripture to your life. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. I think that makes a little bit more sense to us in American terms, doesn't it? Anyone who loves their son or daughter, what? More than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So now please go back to that original passage because I do want the weight of that to remain upon our spiritual chest as we think this through and to be honest with ourselves. Are we willing to hate, in other words, love less something and give God everything. Are we willing to say some part of our life, some part of our heart only belongs to God? 
It does not belong to our boyfriend, does not belong to our wife. There is a part of us that only belongs to our Creator. Can you say that today? Because that's what it means to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It literally means that you have to be willing to say, God, you are my only master. You are my only heavenly father. No one else. Now, how does that play out in real life? I think it plays out in a lot of different ways. And we're not, and if we're not careful, we fall into the trap of worshiping the creation instead of the creator. Now, let me start with the unbeliever and make this real. Can I get my towel back there? I forgot it's where uh, Pastor Joe is. Let's give it up for Pastor Joe translating into Espanol. Gracias, Señor. You are an awesome pastor. Let's start with the unbeliever. If right now you're not born again, you're not in the kingdom of God, do you know that you are in a kingdom already? You are by default in a kingdom of darkness. Thank you, sir. What that means is you are in the domain of Satan. The thing about Satan's kingdom is it's only temporary until God's judgment comes. Then he, along with his followers, will be thrown into the lake of fire. So the devil is not a creator. He is only a creation. And only things he can do is manipulate creations. He cannot create anything. He manipulates love. He manipulates sex. He perverts. There, there is an original version, and perversion is a diversion from the original version. Are you guys with me? So Satan has no creative power. He just perverts the human body. He perverts governments. He perverts education. As everybody with, he has no truth in him. He is a liar. So he has not created any truth. He perverts truth into lies. Okay, are you with me? Now, without God in your life today, you are already in the kingdom of darkness. Now, let me just speak to that person right now. If you're here today, the situation, not only do you have a problem with eternal judgment and all of those things to come, and you may say, I, I don't even know if I believe that. So let's just put that to the side right now, because not only does you have a problem with that, you have a problem right now with the Father. And here is the problem that you have. The Father wants his kingdom in your life. And when you resist him, you are in rebellion towards a king. You are not in rebellion towards a guy. That, you know, sometimes we think about Jesus, like I said before, kind of the acne face, you know, guy on American Idol asking for the votes. You remember that example? Well, I have another example for you. Sometimes we think of Jesus like he's in that one of those black and white movies from the 30s. He has a trench coat on. He's been out in the rain. You know, he's sopping wet. He comes to your house. You know, he knocks on your door. He has his hat in his hands. He's wet and he... Hey, hey, guys. He still sounds like the geeky teenager, by the way. Hey, guys, uh, can you let me in? It's really rainy out here. And that's how sometimes we think of Jesus coming into our hearts. Like, oh, Dito, Jesus, you just need a place to stay. Come into my heart, Jesus. You don't have anywhere else to stay. Those, those big meanies over there, those, those other people, they don't let you in, Jesus. But I let you in. Here, come on in for, for tea. Come on in for biscuits. Does anybody here eat biscuits and tea? Crumpets, is that a word? Crumpets and tea, anybody get down like that? Okay, okay. I want to know if there's any sophisticated people up in the house. I know my kids, I know my daughters have fake biscuits and stuff. They have little tea parties. You're going to have tea parties too one day, trust me. Your kids are going to bring all the little teacups to you. You're going to say, Dad, let's have a tea party. But let me ask you that. Is that Jesus? No, 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 no. This is Jesus. Jesus is saying, 
I created you. Will you let me in to be your Lord and your master? Jesus is standing at your door saying, can I come in and have ownership here? Can I come in and tell you where to put the furniture? Jesus doesn't come in as your kind of effeminate home redecorator like you see like on these shows, remodelers, redecorate. And I won't do the voice because my wife never likes it. But Jesus doesn't come in to your house and say, okay, let's, let's, let's just, just remodel stuff. What do you think, guys? We'll put the cabinets over here. We'll tear down this wall. We'll put teal up over here. We'll do. No, God doesn't come in like that. What, what he is saying is he's got a hard hat on. He's got the crane. And he says, Will you let me tear this down and rebuild a new one? Well, 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 well God, how, how are you going to rebuild my house, God? I mean, I kind of like my room. No, the room's gone. It's going to go where I put it. Well, what's it going to look like? Am I going to have Batman on the wall? Am I going to be able to have my favorite character? No, it's going to be the way I want it. I don't make deals. See, God's not coming to make deals with his creation. But he gives you a choice. Do you want it or not? Now, here's the deal. You say, I don't want it. Now, punishment comes. Why? Because you can't go where God is when you said you didn't want him. You don't get that heavenly mansion when you never let Jesus indwell your heart here. You don't get heaven's mansions unless Jesus made, unless you made your heart his home here. Does everybody get the tie in there? You don't get the privilege of taking on the new place unless you said, Lord, you come down here into me. Your kingdom come here. And, Lord, I give it all to you. See, that is salvation. That's what it looks like. It's just saying, God, I let you in to do it all your way. Now, let me talk to the Christians that are here because I fear or have a concern, rather, that some of us Christians have undermined the lordship of Jesus, and, and, and we're, we're here following Jesus, and there's a large crowd, and, and when Jesus starts talking like this, we're like nudging our neighbor, here it comes, here it comes, you better get ready, this is the tough part, you might want to leave after this, I'm going to take your spot, I'm going to get your fish after you leave, because he's going to start feeding us again, but look, this is tough, pay attention, pay attention, look what he's going to say, and, and we're ready. And we're ready because we know this. We've heard them talk like this before. Like we know Jesus talks like this. Like we look at our neighbor and go, this is, this is going to be crazy Jesus. You ain't ready for crazy Jesus. This is the Jesus I saw go up into the temple and tear it all apart. You've been, all, you've been hearing all the other messages from Jesus. Get ready for this one, right? And we're so ready to point out to others, like, this, this, this is what you need because I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. This is what you need. But let me ask everybody here. Let me ask every Christian, everybody disciple, everybody that says they already know this. Have you ever found yourself putting your prayer time, your devotional time, your study time after and last to your family time? Oh, see, it gets quiet when I talk like that. Because we justify ourselves now as Christians. Well, Jesus is in my heart. He loves me. He's already here. I've forsaken all for him. No, no, no. We, yeah, we did, and yeah, we're in. But he doesn't just say, forsake your drugs, forsake your perversion, forsake, you know, selling crack. No, no, no. He says, your wife, your children, and your brothers and sisters that you already forsook a long time ago anyway. I'm going to let you get off on that. Then leave them alone. I've been wanting to leave them alone. Thank you, Lord. I'm free from them. Now, how many love their brothers and sisters? Amen. Amen. But it's like, I don't even want to say a joke. I was going to say a mother-in-law joke in there, but amen. He did, I was, 
I was just going to say he didn't have to say mother-in-law because we already knew. No, I'm not going to say it. So I tried to say my kid. I was just like the Lord just telling me, don't say it. Your mother-in-law listens to your messages. Don't you say it. But I love, how many love their mother-in-laws? How many love them? I love you. I love you, Yaya. She's my Greek mother-in-law. She is like every bit of the big fat Greek wedding mother-in-law you could ever want in your life. She is amazing. Okay, but watch this. We look at this now as Christians and we go, oh, that, that, doesn't, that, that doesn't mean my wife. That doesn't, no, no, no. This, this right here is Beyonce forsaking Jay-Z because Jay-Z's a sinner. And so she got put God first above Jay-Z. That's what he's talking about. No, 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 no. He, he's saying to me, Joe, I have a place in your heart that you can't give your wife. And you can't let your kids even take it. It only belongs to me. See, that was easy when I was single, and I was by myself, and I was able to pray, do whatever I wanted, take trips, mission trips. I was able to go to church. See, that was so easy to understand. But the moment I got a family, and then Christians, we understand we got to take care of our family. We got to provide for our family. We got to love our family as Christ does the church and all these things. Yes, and they're all a part of that, but it can become so easy to confuse which one comes first. Is my date night with my wife, my hangout time with my kids, is that what comes first? Is that what I prioritize? Or do I prioritize my walk and relationship with my God, with my creator, who gave me my wife and my kids? Because otherwise what I have done is I said, creator, I always put you first until you created and gave me something that I like more than you. And now I put your creation above you. It's like the person who comes to the church and says, oh, yeah, God, I need a job, and I'm going to love you, and I'm going to get a job. And all of a sudden, God gets them a job, and then they start coming to church, and God says, what happened? I'm so busy working, God. Do you understand? That's how they talk. you understand? I'm so busy. Hello? Can I give you an illustration of what I think this looks like? Jesus gave two illustrations. Those are there. That's inspired word of God. But can I give you one that I think might help you as well? Here's what I think it looks like. Think about this. Imagine we're on a plane, and we know now the plane is going down. The worst-case scenario is happening. We're 30,000 feet up in the air. The plane is crashing. You're there with your wife or her husband and your children. And, of course, you care for them. You want them to be saved. You want them to be safe. But the pilot comes to you, and he says, this is a new kind of technology. And he gives it to you in a little, little device like this. And he says, this is equipped to go on to you, sense your blood pressure and your weight, and the moment it does, it will decide how big the parachute needs to be only for your weight. Put this on you, jump out the plane, and out of this little thing will come your parachute. Now at this moment, you're thinking to yourself, let's say you're in my position, use myself as an example, you have a six-year-old, you have a five-year-old, you have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Praise God, we are busy. Amen. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Ain't nothing wrong with a little bit of bump and grind. When you're married, ain't nothing wrong. Amen. Praise God for making babies and practicing to make babies and all that good stuff. So, so let's just say, boom. He explains it to you. So this device only works with one person to the weight that they have. Senses your blood pressure, your weight. It understands, right? Now you say, oh, no, no, no. There ain't no way. 
I am not going with my six-year-old. At the very least, you better tell that machine to let me hold my one-year-old. Hello? Now watch. The pilot says, no, 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 you don't understand. You don't understand. You throw this thing off by one ounce. You pick up anything off this plane, and you try to bring it with you. This will not activate. It will not work. It will not save you. The only way it saves you is you and you alone jump off that plane and you will be saved. But here's the thing. I'll put one on your daughter. I'll put one on your wife. I'll put one on your son. And they will be saved the same way. They'll be saved the same exact way. See, that's salvation. See, this is what God is teaching us. If I try to save my family by having family time and making money, and I try to save all of these things, I lose them. I lose them. Are you with me? I lose them. But if I do what it says here, if I give up everything, I gain them. I give up trying to save them. So what should I do then as a parent? I train up my kids in the ways of the Lord so that when they're old, they don't depart. That's how I love them. That's how I care for them. But I'm very clear. Dad can't save you, Bethany. Daddy can't save you, Hannah. There's only one plan of salvation, and that's for each individual to be born again. Bethany, I can't save you. Because if I try to save you, I'm going to lose you and myself because I have now took the place of the king. Only the king deserves to be your savior. He died on the cross for your sins. Only the king deserves your worship. And in closing, as Jason comes, I want you to think about this. I'll do part two next week about not worrying. But somebody say, seek first the kingdom. I want you to think of the story that C.S. Lewis said in The Great Divorce. Some of you have heard it before, but I have to say it for those who haven't. C.S. Lewis was the great author from Oxford. He passed away, you know, in the 70s. But in the 50s, he wrote these great novels, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. And his friend was J.R.R. Tolkien of of The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. And these men were Christians, and they framed their stories in allegory to help teach us life lessons. Well, one of the things that, that C.S. Lewis wanted us to think about was what would it look like in heaven for those who loved other things before God? Like, what would it look like when they finally met God, but their heart was the same in heaven as it was in earth? See, the kingdom didn't come from heaven to change them on earth. They now have their attitude of earth in heaven, and they're trying to change heaven. Do you guys understand the flip side there? It's a little deep. Turn them down just a little bit. I want everybody to look up at me, please. Heaven is supposed to change us, not us go to heaven and change God, right? But C.S. Lewis wanted to, to get us to think, what would it be like if we tried to go up there and change God? And you hear people talk like this because you tell them, like, hey, are you, you know, you're preaching to them. Are you born again? They go, no. And you say, listen, if you're not born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. And they go, well, you know, I'm going to explain it to God when I get to heaven how I really think. So they think they're going to get up there with the attitude they have on earth and bring it up to heaven and change heaven. Are you with me? Instead of heaven changing earth. So watch. He tells one of the stories of a mother who always had this attitude on earth that it was her job to put her family first, even above God, because God would understand. God would understand. I got a family. I don't have time to pray all the time. I'm just so busy. 
I don't have time to go to church because I got my family. I got to cook on Sundays. That's our only day off. And so I'm going to explain it to God. I'm going to tell God when I get to heaven, those preachers could do all of that. Those other Christians could do all that for you. But you know me, God. I didn't have to. I was a good person. And you know I wasn't out there doing all the bad stuff. I just had my family before you. And you'll understand. We'll work it out. So here's the story. She gets up there. And she sees her daughter because her daughter was a born-again Christian. And she sees her daughter, and her daughter says, Mom, all you have to do is repent of you wanting to put me first. And if you repent and tell God you're sorry for that, he'll now let you into heaven. So it's a make-believe story, but it's to get you to understand the example. So she says, all you got to do, Mom, this is, this is the deal. Just repent. Say you're sorry to God for putting me first. Oh, and she gets mad. She goes, what? God would want me to apologize for being your mother? This is C.S. Lewis writing. He's using his imagination. I'm using my voice. Just track with me. I'm not going to apologize for being your mother. Oh, no, no, no. You, no, no. It's not that you apologize for being my mother. No, he created you to be a mother. That's why he gave you the body he gave you was not to be on magazines, but to be a mother. Are you guys listening to it? That's why women have their bodies, right? That's why these things are there. It's to be a what? A mother. There's a life lesson for some dude here. All you're looking at is milk jugs. Hello, somebody. That's another story. Hello. But we idolize this, don't we? We idolize where the milk comes from, right? Now watch this. Oh, well, well, let, let me ask you this. If, if I come to heaven, can I still be your mother? Because if that's what I was created for, I, I'm your mother. That means in heaven I stay your mother. And she goes, no, 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 no you're, you're not getting it. There's no more need for mothers here now. You were a temporary representative of God's loving heart, of provision, of procreation. You were there to represent him to me for a time. But we're all created in souls, with souls for eternity. So the job of the mother is done now, Mom. You, you don't have to care for me. I have my father, and he has all that I ever need. Only people who come to heaven are sons and daughters, not mothers, not fathers. We all become his sons and daughters. You mean I can't come to heaven and be your mother? You mean I can't come to heaven and still be your mother? If I can't be your mother, then I don't want to stay here. And C.S. Lewis tells the story to help us to understand that's what we're saying in our heart to God now. God, you mean to tell me I got to put you before my job? I thought you gave me these talents. I'm doing it for you. I even give money to the church. And God is saying, yeah, I want to be before your job because I'm going to be after your job is gone. I have preeminence. And I created you with a soul that's more than just what you do. It's who you are. You are my creation. And God is saying to all of us right now, do you have a place for me that no one else has, that I can come and live inside of you? Because if you let my kingdom come to your heart now, I'll let you into my kingdom then. I love at closing what C.S. Lewis said. There will be two kinds of people at the last judgment day. Those that fall upon their knees 
and say, just like Jesus said, Father, thy will be done in me as it is in heaven. Not my will, but your will be done. How many remember when Jesus prayed that? Not my will, but your will. Just with the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So there will be the people that come and say to the Father, Father, thy will be done. And he'll say, amen, come on in. My will is to be with you forever. The other kind, the Father will say to them, you lived your life your way like Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. You did it your way. You put everything in its own place the way you liked it. You arranged the rooms of your life the way you liked it. God will say to them, sir, ma'am, your will be done. Depart from me to a place where I am not. A place prepared for the devil who, like your will, did not, not want my will to be done. It's those two things that will separate us. That's it, the will. Have you said, not my will, but your will be done? Or do you want your will to be done? Hell is the desire of the heart. It's the desire to put things before God, the creator. Heaven, where our Father is, is for those who desire his heart. It's where you want to be. And that's why God said the Bible, in the Bible, God so loved the world. He so loved us that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. If you don't want to perish, surrender your life to a king and put him first. Amen. Can we give it up? Would you stand up with me? Let's give it up for Jesus. We love you, Lord. Altar workers, band, would you come, please, in closing? Would you take a few moments to just meditate in your own heart and ask yourself, have I put God first? Is there a place in my heart that only God can have? I don't have two and three gods. I only have one. I don't have two and three masters. I only have one. If you haven't been here when we've preached about the obligations and the way we should have our families and uh, marriages, you can go back and listen to those messages. We are not teaching neglect, nor did Jesus teach neglect. As a matter of fact, he said if we neglected our children, it would be better if we took a big stone and put it around our neck and drowned ourselves in the sea than to hurt and neglect children. So that is not the message. The message is simply... Does Jesus, our Lord and Savior, our Master, have a place in our life that no one else can have? And that is the place of King. Of King. Jesus said himself, you cannot serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other. You cannot serve two masters. Who is the master of your life? Who makes the final shots? Or calls the final shots? Who makes the final decisions? Is it God? I hope that it is. Come on, would you just meditate? Close your eyes. Maybe just get rid of some distractions. Would you just look at yourself, your life, and see if what I'm saying is true? Has God been trying to get a hold of your life? Has God been encouraging you to come into his kingdom. I believe that he has. That's why you're here today, isn't it? 
You're not here to hear a man speak. You're here to learn of God and his kingdom, right? So ask yourself, am I in the kingdom? Is Jesus my king? Now, if you can't answer that affirmative, if you have doubts, surrender. Surrender your life to him today. If we could get that song ready, I surrender all. Surrender. Just, you know, one of the reasons why we lift up our hands is because the Bible commands it. The Bible says lift up holy hands unto the Lord. But another reason why you can look at it in our culture is a sign of surrender. Like stick them up. This is a Holy Ghost stick up. Put your hands in the air and give your life to God. Okay, here I am, God. I give up. I'm done. I'm letting go. I'm tired of trying to do it myself. If that's some of you today, would you just raise up your hand and say, I'm done. I'm letting go. I'm letting God take over. Show a sign of surrender today to your king. I'm letting go. I'm giving you my relationship. I'm giving you my job. I'm giving you my dreams. I'm giving you my life. You remodel it, Jesus. You do it your way. You do it your way, God, because I trust you. I trust you. We're going to get to that next week. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to trust you. We'll talk about trust next week and how hard it is sometimes to trust God. But it's worth it when we know how much we lo- He loves us. We can do it when we know how much He cares about us. Just a few more moments. Now, if you're here today and you're saying, man, I, I know God's the Lord of my life. He's my boss. He's my master. He's my Lord. He's my king. But I've been struggling in some areas. I'll be honest. I've been struggling in my prayer life. I've been struggling in giving my tithes and offerings. I've been struggling in controlling my words and some of the thoughts I've been having, bitterness, perversion. Come on, if that's you, throw up your hands as well and say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender again. I'm tired of trying to make it happen my way. I know you're the king. I I know that's settled. But, Lord, sometimes I'm not really obedient like I should. So, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. I know I'm your son. I know I'm your daughter. But, Lord, forgive me. Sometimes I don't act like I should. Sometimes I do what I shouldn't do. Lord, forgive me. I'm not making excuses. I'm putting you first above my Internet. I'm putting you first above my finances. Come on, you could have been a Christian like me for 20 years and have something to surrender. I know I do. 30 more seconds, you and God right now, I surrender. I surrender. I'm letting go, God. Before we sing it, just pray for 15 more seconds. Thank you, Ben, for being on point. You're awesome. But 15 more seconds, just just us and God. Jesus, I surrender. Amen. Would you look up at me, please, just for a few moments? Just keep it down just a moment because I want to sing this song so bad. This band is so on point. I love them. But, guys, I want you to think about this example before we go. Have you ever been on a plane and the turbulence happens and you get scared and you're wondering what in the world is going on? You ever felt that way? I know some of us have felt that way. I got used to flying on planes after a while, but I got really scared when my pilot came on. My wife was with me. The pilot came on and said, "Uh, just want to let you know we're having problems getting the left landing gear down. We're going to have to circle around and try to get this left wheel down so we don't have to make an emergency landing. 
I remember when I heard that from the pilot, I looked at my, w- my wife and my face was white. So I can relate to that. So some of you are like, oh, no turbulence isn't a problem. Just imagine if you heard the landing gear can't come down. I watched the guy come out with the crowbar. I don't know what he did, but he had to go somewhere with a crowbar on the plane. You know that's not a good sign when the guy comes out of the cockpit with a crowbar. And then and this, is what, this is what I heard. We have the assistant pilot, co-pilot, going through the, the plane now with a crowbar. He's going to try to do it manually. You know that's time to get worried. You, you know when the stewardess are worried because they're, they, they're used to anything. They, you know when they look scared, it's a problem. They're, they look scared. But now watch. Whether you've been on a plane, turbulence, or watching a guy go down with a crowbar through the aisle, and he, by the way, he got it down. What is really going through our mind? Like, man, I might die, Right? But let me ask you a question. If I told you before you went on that plane, no matter what you hear or experience on the plane, I can promise you, I came from the future. Look, I can promise you, no matter what you hear or experience, you're going to land on the other side. Right? Let's say that was true. Like, I could actually tell you that. It wouldn't matter. If the plane's bouncing all over, we can't get the landing gear down, we think engine four is out, whatever, it wouldn't matter. Because if you trusted me and I told you, I know for a fact this plane will land, no matter what you would face, what you would hear, you would know the plane would land. Can I just tell you something? You know the benefit of making Jesus the Lord of your life is he knows your future. He knows your plane is safe. He knows where you're going. And he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he tells you, everything you hear down here, every lie that you hear, every scary thought that you have, fear no evil, for I am with you. My rod and my staff, they will comfort you. And so I want to speak to all of us here as we get ready to sing this song. If you surrender to God, you get the promise of his future. The future belongs to our creator. And all we have to do is say, I'm not going to try to fly this plane. I'm not going to try to figure it out. I'm not a pilot. I'm not God. I don't know, but I trust you. How many are willing to trust God today? Can we sing this before we go? We'll dismiss in just a moment. But would you sing this out with me today? I surrender all. Everything unto Jesus today. I surrender my blessed Savior. One more time and then we'll sing the verse and dismiss. But come on, would you mean it today? I surrender all. I give you my family, God. Would you take care of my family? I give you my job. Take care of it, God. Take care of my finances, O Lord. Jesus. Now let's sing this verse before we go. All to Jesus I surrender. The first verse. To Jesus I surrender. Am I free? All to him I freely give. Would you put it up there? Just hold on, band. I know we're going to learn it. This is an old song. Thank you. Some of you know it, but we're going to sing it again. There we go. Come on. All to Jesus.
There you go. Take it, Adam. You got it. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I give him my family, my job, everything. I will ever love and trust him in his presence. One more time now. I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Jesus. I Just the voices. I surrender all. all may be different for us. There may be a single person here, and all they're surrendering, surrendering is just their life. There may be someone here like a, a father like me, and they're surrendering their wife, their children. It doesn't matter who we are and what we're surrendering. Lord, we determine to surrender all of it. And Lord, as we do, we will trust you that you will take care of us and bring us safely to the other side. You will save our children. You will provide for our needs. Next week we'll learn about not worrying about what we should eat or drink or what clothes we should wear because, Lord, we're going to trust you to provide and do all that we could ever imagine and even more in our lives because we are in your kingdom and you are a good king in Jesus' name, can I get an amen from someone who believes it today? Come on, say amen if you believe it. Can you slap your neighbor high five and say, I surrender all. Come on, I surrender all. If you need prayer before you go, would you come up here today? God bless you. Come on up. Keep singing if you like. Otherwise, we'll see you next time. I surrender. If you need prayer, come. Otherwise, have a great week. Thank you for visiting today. We love you. Jesus loves you. There's nothing like following the plan of God. I I just want to keep it in a lower atmosphere. Thank you. Just as you're coming forward, we're just going to keep worshiping. We're going to sing some of these other verses. Singers, thank you. Thank you, guys. If you guys need prayer, come and receive it. As a matter of fact, Vinny and Des, would you meet me up here when you get a second? Can you sing the next part? Humbly at your feet I bow. Thank you, Lord. All.